my friendship with Ozzy is a hell of a lot more important than my job. And I know maybe that sounds crazy to certain people, but that's just the way that I'm wired. I feel like we know if there's a guy there that we think is really too good to pass up, you know, we're gonna take him. It will not be four straight defense. And if it is, you'd probably be looking for a new GM next year. <laughs> Welcome into the lounge for a very special episode because we got an exclusive interview here. Yeah, this is an interview that a lot of people want, but we're the true hard-nosed journalists. We get the stories. Big J journalists. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we chase down the good stories, and that's what we did today. We have our assistant general manager, soon-to-be general manager, Eric DaCosta, stopping by the lounge today. Yeah, very exciting stuff. But before we get into that, let's jump into... Uh, I didn't get an email to read today. I put, I went back into the vault yeah. and got a review wow. off of iTunes. Well what done. do you think of that, buddy? Well, this, this is also an incentive for people to put those reviews out there. Exactly. Keep the five stars and the reviews coming. And I'm not just talking to you, Uncle Charlie. I'm, talk <laughs> I'm talking to all you fans, all right? We're tired of getting reviews for our friends and family. Uh, this one came on March 12th from Mr. C Squared. It says, no better podcast. Ryan Mink and Garrett Downinger, Staples to the Ravens franchise. The guy, these guys do a great job of keeping us abreast of what's going on within our locker room and front office. Also, they're pretty funny. Thank you very much. Staples wow. to the franchise. Sounds like we're franchise players. We you should be franchise players. We need a tag. We need the tag. Yeah, the uh, 20. What's what's the franchise tag value for uh, our role? For podcasters. For podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> Not very high. Yeah. Uh, also, they're pretty funny. I enjoy their spirited debates and mock drafts, especially the beer and pizza draft, which Mink won. Keep us, wow. keep up the great work, fellas. Boom, boom, shakalaka. <laughs> on, on that note, on that note, I will, I will admit to this. All right. So I had my kids' second birthday party uh -huh. this past weekend. Order a bunch of pizza for all the kids and the adults, right? Pizza. <laughs> we get two free toppings on the yeah. pizza. Okay. You got pineapple and coconut. I got. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't go that crazy. Did get a pineapple and ham. Didn't yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got all these pizzas, right? They all come. I ordered six pizzas. They all come. I didn't get any plain cheese. Uh-huh. Because you get two free toppings. Right. Who just does who takes a pass on toppings? Get there. Turns out several vegetarians, including kitty vegetarians. <laughs> They're like, can't eat the pizza. My wife makes me go back out and buy two more cheese pizzas. Unbelievable. Uh, just no. pick it off. So I, I, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, just pick it off. That's what I said. So anyway, in real life, in the real life pizza draft, I botched it. Yeah, you Bo do. Completely yeah. botched it. Yeah, you botch all the drafts. Anyway, uh, with that said, we'll have another draft coming up soon. As always, you guys can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net and go ahead and leave ratings and reviews on iTunes as well. Yeah, so with that, we are happy to be joined by Assistant General Manager Eric DaCosta. That title is going to be changing here pretty quickly, Eric, by the way. Well, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do before then. <laughs> we'll worry about that next year. But uh, before we get into football, I, I got to start by asking you what pranks you're working on. Because you said last year that the pranks get going when you're busiest, and we're pretty busy right now. So what do you got working on? Well, I'll tell you, the dynamic has kind of changed in the building. We've, we've changed offices, mm. and so they put me, uh, I'm on the farthest uh, point on the East Coast. I call this over here on the East Coast. and. Pat Moriarty's now sort of in middle America, and Ozzy's <laughs> over there on the West Coast. But I'm not as close to Pat as I used to be, so it's been difficult, I think, you know, for me, um, getting access to Pat, you know, right. over there. It's kind of a hike to get over there. Now, I will say this, um, there are some other people now that I'm closer to 
Ooh. Uh, and they've experienced some strange things. Pictures <laughs> have disappeared from their offices. <laughs> and some of their pictures in their offices have ended up in other people's offices. Um, and Patty Holtry could probably talk about that a little bit. Uh -huh. Okay, some we're going to have to bring Patty on. You know, some strange things have been happening, I think, around in different offices. But in specifically with Pat, not a lot lately. Um, it's just, it just hasn't been as easy for me to get over there quite as much to see him. And, uh, and now there's other witnesses over there as well. So Ooh. you've got Marisol hanging out over there. <laughs> you've got um, some snitches that are kind of right and there. I'm a little concerned about that. So <laughs> until, until I gain, you know, really feel like I've gained their trust, right. I'm going to be very careful about what I do. I think Pat's the happiest guy about the new building. You know, he's got yeah. a new office now, so it's, he's the happiest <laughs> Everybody guy Everybody moved here. in and they saw that your office was next to theirs. So they're like, oh, Crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so, great. So in all honesty, this is the first time we've talked to you since Steve announced the transition that's going to take place next year. And I know for us, when we were sitting there in the room at the end of the season presser with Steve, it caught all of us by surprise. We knew that it was going to happen at some point. But when he comes out there and says it's going to happen next year, all of us were like, whoa, did you know that was coming that day that he was going to announce it? And, and what was your thought on that day when it kind of became public for the first time? Well, I did. I did know that it was going to be announced. You know, this has been really kind of in the works for a long time. Um, it didn't affect my my situation very much. I mean, that week I got a lot of text messages and things from people. It's, you know, it's, it's been something that I've been reluctant to talk about mm -hmm. at all over the last five years. Um, I've just had such a great you know relationship working with Ozzy, and he and I work so closely together, and just. Every day I come into the office is, is really a blessing to work with the guys I work with. So um, from that standpoint, not a lot has changed. I think, you know, the one thing that sometimes people would ask me, you know, when are you going to be a GM? When's it going to happen? And I would never really talk about that out of respect to Ozzy, out of respect to Steve and the organization. So, you know, I think it's kind of a relief that it's actually out there and I don't have to worry about you know, other teams or worry about, you know, people saying to me, well, you know, what are you, an idiot? You don't want to be a GM you know, <laughs> right. or the, you know, Chicago Bears or the New York Jets or the whoever team, you know, Green Bay Packers, whatever it is. And it was never really that. I just always felt like, you know, for me, the best situation was staying here in Baltimore, working with people that I, you know, respect and love and my friends. And just, we, we've got a great situation here with this organization with great ownership and president, everybody from the top to the bottom. So, um, the fact that, you know, it's kind of in place and that next year I know at some point I'll be the GM, that's exciting and hopefully, you know, I won't have to answer those questions anymore. <laughs> Did uh -huh. you get a lot of this? Did you always have people yeah, like, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah, Just take the know, job. You know, sometimes, and I think, you know, I'm a competitive person right. and, uh, you know, I think sometimes people would probably say, well, he's afraid or he's, you know, he doesn't want to take this job. Mm. Um, and it was really never that. It really was that, you know, for a long time, you know, I've, I've committed to, to Steve and, and, uh, and I've had Ozzy's blessing and he's kind of groomed me over the last four, five, six, really 10, 20 years right. to be a GM. And I, I always felt like I had, you know, Ozzy's respect and his trust and that he would give me the chance and he taught me and I've had a chance to sit by him for many years and watch him do his job. and. And uh, that's an experience that a lot of guys don't have in my, uh, in my profession, in my, in my position. So that was a blessing for me. And, uh, and, and once I'd kind of, you know, decided that I wanted to be here, you know, my wife is from Baltimore and my kids go to school here. And, 
you know, when I had made that decision many years ago, you know, I was going to stick with it. Right. Um, but, you know, every once in a while you do get frustrated when someone's like, man, I can't believe you didn't take that job. Why didn't you take that <laughs> job? Right. And you can't say, well, I'm going to be the GM here you <laughs> right. know, in 2019. Right. So that was, that was the toughest part. Right. Especially if they're saying you're scared. It's got to chap your ass being as competitive as you are. And yeah, not being able to yeah. say anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, my family knew and, and my right. closest friends. That's, I'm curious how many, like, this was one of the wet, most most well kept secrets I think that I can remember here in terms of everybody knew that it was going to happen at some point, but like there was no real clear indication from us outside that this was the date that it was going to be. How many people would you estimate knew this? Because I don't know that it was very many. Oh, I don't know. You know, my, uh, you know, my wife and Steve and Ozzy and Dick and, you know, that's like five people, you know, like not many, some, some other people, but. It's just, it's a private thing and, yeah. and it's, um, you know, it's not just me, uh, you know, it's Ozzy and it's Steve's desire and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things at stake and at, in play and so it's just one of those things. It's just, you know, we can keep secrets in scouting. We know how to do <laughs> yeah. that. So this is just one thing that it really wasn't anybody else's business. It hasn't been anybody else's business. It's my career. It's Ozzy's career. It's... Steve's, you know, desires for his organization and Dick's involvement, and it is what it is. And you know what? If if uh, if things, I have to tell you this: like if if things change tomorrow, and and Ozzy was going to stay as the GM, I'd be the happiest guy in the world because I love working with him, and we have such an amazing relationship. And this has never been about, you know, me or Ozzy. It's been about what's best for the Ravens and. If it was best for the Ravens that Ozzy would stay as GM and I would stay as his assistant, I would be the most fortunate guy in the NFL to be a part of this organization for the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Has it hit you yet? Like, in a year, I'm going to realize my childhood goals. You know, you've talked about yeah. how you used to do the draft as a kid watching TV and all that stuff. Like, has it sunk in yet? Uh, yeah, it's sunk in because I've been thinking about it for 10 years. <laughs> so, you know... Um, I'll be ready. I think our guys, our you know, our organization, um, you know, will be ready. And I just hope that uh, that I can do a good enough job that the organization's faith in me will be rewarded. And uh, you know, I'm excited about it, but I'm more excited about the draft. I'm more excited about the off season and what this team's going to look like in September. So uh, I can't wait to get to that point. Just a couple more questions on this, and then we'll get to the draft stuff. <laughs> but obviously, you're gonna—you've taken a ton of things from Ozzy, like you said. He's groomed you for 20 years. How would you say, if anything, that you're gonna be a little bit different than him? Than him? Oh man, you know, uh, I'm not gonna give away any secrets. Um, <laughs> Can you use an I iPad better? Yeah, I think you know, from a technology <laughs> standpoint, I definitely have the advantage over him. He's probably a better evaluator than I am, um, but I—I uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think um, we certainly won't uh, do everything the same, but we're not going to try and reinvent a wheel either. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think what we've done has been pretty successful over the years. I mean, you have your ups and downs, but I think in general, people would look at, you know, Ozzy's regime, his tenure, and say it's been a smashing success. And so anybody coming into a situation like that would be foolish to try and just just blow everything up and make you know tremendous change. I mean that would be foolhardy. So we're not going to do that. I think in in the end, I think you work with people. 
we've got a great staff, um, you know, who, who are the best in the league. You know, I think um, we'll continue to trust our scouts and their abilities to evaluate. We'll continue to, I think, uh, implement, you know, analytics and, and big data, trying to help us make decisions. Um, we'll continue to, uh, to look at things like the personality of the player and, you know, some of the other things that we do with interviewing and, and, and uh, it will challenge our scouts and we'll listen to our scouts and coaches and we'll try and continue to build consensus and, and, and really find the best players to help us win. We'll try and be, uh, you know, creative with the salary cap and organized mm -hmm. and responsible with the cap. And I think that's a critical thing for us moving forward as well. Um, I want us to be innovative with the salary cap. I want us to be ahead of the curve. Um, you know, I think all those things kind of play together. And, uh, you know, I want to find the right players that have the skills to play the game, but also have the personality that we'll be proud of, that represent Baltimore, that have the right, you know, traits, leadership, dependability, uh, you know, uh, football character, you know, ability to play like a Raven, which we talk about all the time. Those things are really important too. So, um, you know, I, I think providing structure for our people and the organization, you know, uh, and just being, you know, a, a leader, I think is something that I'm really excited about moving forward. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll see. Are you a little bit, do you lean a little bit more on analytics than maybe Ozzy did? Well, yeah, I'm younger. I think that's probably, you know, the trend, Yeah. you know. Um, you know, I appreciate information. I appreciate people who can take information and, um, and either find trends or find loopholes or find patterns or things that we could exploit, you mm -hmm. know, ways of, you know, gaining advantage. I mean, I remember reading... Moneyball back in I think you know 2003 I was at the hospital and my mm -hmm. wife was in labor and uh, my daughter Jane was was being born and I was sitting there in the waiting room reading Moneyball. And <laughs> You're like, hold on, this I'm is like, a really wow, good chapter. <laughs> this is really kind of you know you know revolutionary and how is this going to affect sports and you know what will be the impact on football moving forward and so it took us you know maybe you know 10 years to get to the point where we we're actually starting to to do something tangible with analytics, but I'm really excited about what we've been able to do in the last five years. And I think, you know, the next five years are gonna really show what we can really do because we've gotten to the point now where I think we've organized everything, the data, and we've got some really smart people, you know, using the data and building models and algorithms and different things and looking at different ways to exploit the information. And, I think we're really going to start to see some cool things in the next five years. So here's the last thing I want to ask you about the transition in you and Ozzy. I think there's a perception kind of outside that it's going to be a little awkward next year because Ozzy's here and he was your boss and now you're his boss and there's this weird dynamic. But people don't see how close you guys work on a day-to-day -day basis. You guys are having conversations all the time every day. How do you envision that dynamic being next year when you, know, you guys are in different roles? You know, I think that would be pretty easy. You know, at least for me, mm -hmm. you know, I, we've just, you know, Ozzy and I have a great relationship and people that know us, I think they know how close right. we are and people see it every day. Um, you know, it's not a day that doesn't go by when I just don't think that how lucky I am to have been able to work with Ozzy for 22 years and he taught me really 
mostly everything I know in terms of the NFL and scouting and, you know, being a leader and working with people and humility and patience and all these amazing qualities that I don't always have that Ozzy has. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times maybe people in, or the organizations, other businesses, maybe they would struggle with these types of situations, right. but not me, not Ozzy. Um, my friendship, this is really what I would say, my friendship with Ozzy is a hell of a lot more important than my job. Mm. And I know maybe that sounds crazy to certain people, but that's just the way that I'm wired. And I really believe, you know, that I can be a great friend uh, and also work extremely well with Ozzy. Just like, and I always say this, and my wife's heard me say this a million times, there's no reason why I can't be the best scout and and also be the best husband and best father. You can balance different things. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not gonna be a challenge to work with Ozzy, even if our roles are a little bit different, because we have such a respect for each other and we just, we understand each other. We're so different, he and I. We come from totally different, you know, parts of the country, background. Uh, everything is so different, but we believe in a lot of the same things, so it works. Mm -hmm. right. All right, let's look ahead. <laughs> All right, let's look ahead. Just uh, obviously, we're in the middle of the free agency buzz, and the draft is about six weeks away. So, what is your what are your impressions about how things have gone so far in free agency? Obviously, added Crabtree, uh, Smokey Brown. Just what are your thoughts about what's gone on over the past week? Well, it's been you know it's been a whirlwind. I mean, um, I don't know what the expectations were from our fan base or the media, but you know we we because of our cap situation as such. Um, we've always been a team. We're going to try and spend every dollar we can to feel the most competitive team that we can. We're never going to be one of these teams that you know carries forty or fifty or sixty right. million dollars to the next year. So we were always up against the cap. That's kind of frustrating in one respect, but I think also um, it's something that I really admire because we always want to win. Our fan base demands it. As an organization, we demand it. We want to be the most competitive team we can be. Now, you know, wins and losses, they're not always what you want them to be, but we're always trying to feel the best team, the most competitive team we can. Mm -hmm. um, so because of that, you know, we don't have the type of flexibility with the cap that we can go out and we can spend, you know, $15, 16000000 million a year in a player. Mm -hmm. um, or sign multiple guys at $10 million, $12 million, $14 million a year. We're always trying to find the players that, you know, help us win games. And sometimes those guys can be cheap, like right. an Alex Collins. And sometimes those guys cost more money, you know, like an Eric Weddle. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, and there's a lot of different ways to build a football team. So we're going to scout. We're going to look at these guys that cost, you know, $15 million, knowing we probably can't get them. But we're also going to scout these restricted free agents on other teams or these guys that might be, you know, low-level free agents that we think are ascending players who may not cost as much because they haven't had as much production. But we think we're getting those kind of guys, you know, on, uh, on the uptick, you know, and, and, you know, ascending rather than descending players. So, you know... I think moving forward, you know, what we've done so far, John Brown's a guy that we had scouted a few years ago coming out of Pittsburgh State. We liked him at the East-West game. You know, I saw a guy back then who uh, who showed me as a small school player, great feet, route running ability, tremendous vertical speed. He's had some success um, in the league. Um, 
We know a lot about the kid. He's had some durability issues of late, but we feel confident that this guy can come in here on a one-year prove-it deal, as we call him, and, uh, and show us what he showed us a couple of years ago. And he's got the skill set to contribute. I think he's hungry. He's got a great mentality. Um, and really that's just, he's just a good, solid the type of guy that we want that's hungry. You know, I'd rather get a guy going up than going down. And I think this is a guy that is, is really ready to ascend again. You know, Michael Crabtree is a guy that has just killed us in the past. <laughs> uh, we've had very good success with these types of players, whether it's a Derek Mason, an Anquan Bolden, a Steve Smith, you know, TJ Hushmanzada, even for a short time, but guys that have had success in the league at the receiver position, who have a track record of success, who have a toughness and a mentality about them. Uh, I think all those guys kind of share that, 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 that competitiveness, that feisty quality, that ability, you know, to basically be a physical tough player who's going to make plays in traffic and clutch situations. You know, Crabtree's one of those kind of guys. It's, it's not surprising to me. I saw his interview when he talked about a team that he admired, and he said he liked the Ravens growing up. And I can see that because that's kind of one of the ways that he plays. He plays like one of our kind of guys. Right. So it's like, you know, when, when you see those kind of players get cut or those kind of players in the draft or those kind of players in free agency, you recognize them. You, you see those, those traits and those qualities because those are the kind of players you want on your team. Mm -hmm. So it makes it easy for you when you see those kind of guys. Do you feel like you're always in the mode of bargain shopping uh, when it comes to free agency? And do you, are you a bargain shopper in your own life? Like, I love <laughs> me some TJ Maxx deals. You're, get, just, you're just cheap, though. I got a pair of $5 jeans. I mean, they're nice <laughs> jeans. Are you a bargain shopper? I'm not a bargain shopper in real life. Um, <laughs> but I think that I, I'm, a, I'm a value investor. Okay. You know, uh, whether that's with, I'm going to call myself that. The yeah, draft, is that what we're going to call? Yeah, or that, whether that's in the draft, or you know, that's the stock market, or whatever it is. I'm always trying to ascertain value and the price you have to t have to pay to acquire that value. Uh -huh. And if the value that you have to pay drops below the value that you think the player or the whatever it is is worth, then I'll pounce. Right. And I try to be pretty pretty stringent and strict and so I'm not going to deviate from that. If I feel the value's there, I'm going to I'm going to pounce and if I think the value's not there, I'm probably going to sit out until the value does drop. Do you on the salary cap front, what you said was kind of interesting when you talk about how we're always going to be a team that's kind of right at the cap. Do you basically look at it as this is the situation that we are going to be in when you've paid a quarterback? And as long as you have a franchise quarterback under contract, not on his rookie deal, you're always going to be in the spot. Well, if, you've, if you're paying a quarterback, quarterback money, then you are probably going to be uh, less flexible than other teams, mm -hmm. you know, and it just is what it is. And if, you, if you're a team that's had a track record of success and you're trying to keep players and you're paying players, then you're probably not going to have as much flexibility, you know. So um, now I think we, you know, there are things you can do and you're always trying to eliminate you know, as much dead money as possible and you want to draft good players and you want to pay them and you want them to play out their contracts and you want to sign good free agents and you don't want to have to cut them before their contracts expire, you know. So, I mean, you want to be smart. You've got to evaluate well, you know. Um, but it's definitely hard to, to build a surplus of cap if you're doing your job, 
in some respects. If you've got a good quarterback, if you're paying him a lot of money, if he's playing well, if you're trying to keep other young players, if you're trying to you know bring you know bring back guys on second contracts, um, you're probably not going to have a lot of money. <laughs> it's just yeah, the nature you know? of how it is, right? In some respects, now you can always be better. You know, you don't want to you know you don't want to see a lot of dead money you know um, on your books. Try to eliminate as much of that as possible. And you love to see guys, you know, play out the duration of their contract in an ideal world. So, you know, can we do better? Certainly, of course we can. We're aware of that. You know, on the other hand, um, we've also had opportunities over the years to actually not spend as much. And just, that's not really our way. Mm. We want to spend. We want to build. We want to be good. You know, we're never going to be a team that, you know, and you know these teams in all sports yeah. that decide to sit it out mm-hmm. and not be as competitive as possible. Right. That's just not an Ozzy's mentality or Steve's mentality or John's mentality or my mentality. We just, we want to be good. We want to be one of the best teams. We want to be a, a standard for other teams to follow. And, uh, and we want to get back to that level where we are one of those teams, and we will. Um, and right now it's challenging at times because we just don't have the room that we would love to be as flexible as possible. Right. So um, that's why the draft really does become the lifeblood of the organization and finding you know, good, young, talented playmakers at every position is really a priority and critical for us. Yeah. Ozzy talked on Friday about adding pass catchers, obviously the two already added. But do you feel like given the salary cap situation right now, that we're still in a, a place where we could add another pass-catching tight end, wide receiver, or whatnot, that we're not done at that position? Yeah, well, I think for sure that we've got um, the resources to sign somebody else, you know, um, a playmaker. It could be an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. It could be a defensive player. We've, we've got more flexibility, and we've got the draft. And there's no question in our minds that our work is only just starting we're excited about the draft. Uh, our scouts are out there now looking at players and traveling to workouts. Our coaches are looking at players. Um, we'll start bringing players to Baltimore very quickly. Uh, and we've got some, We've got some. As, as far as pro personnel is concerned, there will be some other players who probably get cut. There are still some good free agents mm-hmm. available. Uh, we'll continue to evaluate those guys. We've got some financial flexibility to sign an additional guy or two. And, uh, and we'll try and be proactive and outside the box, and we'll try to be aggressive as well. So what do you think of this year's draft in terms of the pass catcher options, receiver and pass catching tight ends? Yeah, well, I think it's an interesting draft because I would say that most people would, would think in looking at this draft um, that in the first, you know, probably first 25 picks, there will likely be more defensive players selected than offensive players. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have the quarterbacks, um, obviously, drafted pretty high. You know, you might have a couple offensive linemen, maybe a receiver or two, maybe a running back or two. But there's a lot of good defensive players now. As you start to work towards the the back half of the first round, into the second round, into the third round, into the fourth round. I think you're going to see more offensive players selected. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me if, you know, maybe, and I'm just making these numbers up, but it wouldn't surprise me if you had 
maybe 60% of all the players drafted this year would be on offense and 40% would be on defense. And there seems to be more offensive players in the draft. But at the top of the draft, I think you have probably more consensus top defensive players than you do offensive players. We've both said over the past, I don't know, a few weeks that we would be really surprised if there's not a, if we don't take a receiver in the first two rounds. But hearing you say, hearing you talk, <laughs> it sounds like maybe it will come draft weekend and we will be very surprised that it ends up going a different direction just because of the nature of how this draft plays out. Well, I think, you know, in the first round, uh, you know, are we going to take a wide out? It just depends, you know. Um, is it fair to say that in the first three rounds we're going to be taking some offensive players? Definitely. You know. So not for, not four straight defense to open things up this year. <laughs> no, it, won't be four, it will not be four, uh, four straight defense. If it is, you'd probably be looking for a new GM. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, there's a really good chance that we'll continue to work on the offense in the first, you know, four four rounds of the draft. Now, we may take a defensive player in the first round, or we may take a defensive player in the second round, but the notion that we're going to go defense, 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 that's just not going to happen this year, I don't think. (laughs) And there are some really good players in the second round. You know, I think, even though I think, you know, you might have, um, you know, more defensive players drafted in the first round, there's a good chance you could. I think that will sort of switch. And as you get into the second round and third round, you're going to start to see a lot of offensive players come off the board just because it seems like there are more offensive players at that level, at those levels in this draft, than defensive players. Right. It's, it kind of sounds like, from hearing you outline things, that it sounds like my nightmare, right? My, <laughs> my nightmare is that you know, we get a good player at 16, whether it be a, a defense player, a tackle, whatever. Maybe it's Ridley or a wide receiver, right? But I got this bad feeling that there's going to be a run on wide receivers at the end of the first round, early second round, and then we come up beginning of second round, and we're like, oh, boy. You know, they just they just seem to flop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. do you and kind that's of what like, happens. That right. happens a lot. Yeah, that happens a lot. So um, it's kind of like I think what's, what's happened, what started happening is that there are certain positions that – even if they're graded the same as maybe other positions, they get picked first mm-hmm. because of the what the the, the fascination of yes. everybody on like skill players and right. playmakers and they're corners, the sexy and corners and pass rushers. Right, they're the real sexy sort of picks, and so they get even if the grade's the same as say like you have a safety and you have a wide out for instance, right. and they're both graded the same. The wideout's going to get drafted before the safety in general, right? Uh, and even some cases, if you have maybe a receiver or that's graded a little bit less um, versus, say, you know, maybe an inside linebacker or a safety or a guard, maybe they're graded a little bit higher. The receivers or the tight end, maybe they're going to get drafted ahead of those players because of the. I think the the importance of the passing game now and the rule changes and scoring points and the way the league has changed and football's changed. Yeah. It's not the same as it was maybe ten years ago. So um and we see that and we understand that phenomenon and I think, you know, um listen, you can either pick the best player when you're on the clock or you sort of change your valuations of the positions right. and maybe tweak, you know, 
how you value the positions in comparison to the other positions. Not all positions maybe are valued the same, and so either you, you continue to do what you did 15 or 20 years ago, or you start to change your thinking a little bit, and you're saying, okay, well, you know, this receiver may not be graded quite as high as this offensive guard, but in terms of the value that they bring to the team in terms of scoring points, maybe he's actually more valuable than an offensive guard. Right, yeah, it's kind of interesting because maybe that also explains why in recent years I feel like people have looked back at those drafts and said, well, these wide receivers got overdrafted and they didn't pan out in a lot of recent years, right? Mm -hmm. But then if you don't get in on that game, if you say, all right, we're not going to overvalue the wide receivers, we're going to stay and pick best player available, then you never end up with a wideout because everybody drafts them. And I think there's a phenomenon too, and I see this a lot of times with the fan base, like they'll get really excited when you draft somebody in the first round that's a skilled player. Mm -hmm. But then you have to be careful because if you draft them, because he is a skilled player, but maybe you draft him higher than you'd like to draft him, then they have a false set of expectations right. based on what you draft him, and that player almost never lives up to that because maybe you're taking him there because you're drafting him based off a of need, right. but if his performance doesn't necessarily equate his draft slot, then things are stacked against him exactly. from day one. Starts to feel, he starts to feel bad about it. He hears the pressure from fans. Yeah. So do you feel like that, that has changed then for you? Like, do you feel like going into this year's draft, you would be, compared to maybe 10 years ago, you would be more likely to take one of those positions versus like the safety at that spot just because the game has changed so much? Oh, I didn't say that. Okay. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, philosophical okay. you know, internal debates inside my yeah. brain. But, yeah. you know, our own strategy is our own strategy. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we'll be ready to pick. And we'll have, a, we'll have a really good, I think, you know, approach to the draft when we make our picks. And we kind of understand what we want to do. Um, you know, so we'll be ready to go. I think just in general, though, as you yeah. look at the league, as you look at drafting around the league, those are some of the things that I think have changed over the years. Is just, um, you know, receivers they they're getting drafted faster now, and they're coming off the board quicker now. Um, you know, and last year was a great example when you saw those guys all get drafted in the top ten of the draft. No right. one would have expected that. Right. A lot of people thought some of those guys we might board. have. Options, one or two, one or two right. of those guys for yeah. us at 16. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what has been happening lately. Yeah. And we saw that when we always used to talk about corners, and we used to say with corners, like they always get drafted a half a round yep. higher than where we might have them on the board. Mm-hmm. And that has sort of, you know, that trend has sort of, you know, followed the receiver position. And also the tight end position, and it's like those. And, and also, you know, you could say the same thing with left tackles, and you can say thing, mm-hmm. the same thing with pass rushers. Mm-hmm. There are certain positions that where the players get drafted a little bit higher. Now, on the flip side of that, and I'll give you a good example. You know, when when uh, when the 2007 draft, we took Ben Grubbs and we took Marshall Yonda. Mm-hmm. We thought those two guys were just outstanding players in that draft. Two two of the really really fun players to watch in that draft and and if you had just drafted them based off their abilities and where they should have been drafted you probably would have taken them higher in the draft than at the end of the first round and midway through the third round right. but because they're offensive guards their value gets it does it gets suppressed a little bit and uh, those two guys were both Pro Bowl guards that we were able to get um, and we got them in really, really good spots. So we actually got a lot of value based on their drafting spots for both those players. 
if you were just assessing them based on their ability to compete and play the game of football, right. they'd have been drafted much higher. Right, mm -hmm. right. Speaking of a position that usually gets uh, overdrafted, quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you expect these quarterbacks to just fly off the board, you know, possibly four in the top ten? I do. I do. I think there's just, you know, it's, it's become... Uh, a quarterback league. I mean, it always has been, but even more so now. And when you see certain franchises, you know, the fortune really turns around quickly with a quarterback. You were a great example of that in 2008, 2009, right. you know. Right. Um, but when you see these teams that are able to do that, you know, whether it's the Philadelphia Eagles or the Houston Texans last year, you know, you start to see the success that these guys have early on as young players, and you see how it just shapes the entire franchise. You know, I think that's a good a good reason why all four of those guys, um, and even maybe five guys, will go in the first round. But specifically, those four guys will probably be gone pretty quickly. Right. For the Ravens, you would like to add a backup quarterback for Joe at some point, and to be, I'm sure, it'd be great to get one in the draft. How soon is too soon to start thinking about quarterbacks in this year's draft? Well, if we really like the guy and he's there, it's not soon enough. So, I mean, it just basically it depends on our evaluation, how we feel about the guy. Um, what we think he can become as a player, what we think his upside is, you know, um, and if he's there. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I really feel like organizationally we've done a good job over the years with QBs when we've drafted. Now, we haven't drafted a lot of QBs. Yeah. But, you know, I think if I think just about what we've been able to do with the quarterback position since 2005, you know, uh, I think we drafted Derek Anderson. He's still playing. Mm -hmm. I think he was Golly. actually a Pro Bowl quarterback at yeah. one point. Yeah. Um, you know, we drafted Joe, uh, and, and obviously his lineage is, is what it is. And then Tyrod has had some success. So I feel like we know if there's a guy there that we think is really too good to pass up, you know, we're going to take him. I got to ask you, Jeremiah mocked, <laughs> mocked Baker to the Ravens at 16. Former Ravens scout, obviously there's the ties here. What were your thoughts when you saw that mock draft? I'm sure you probably saw it. <laughs> you know, I didn't, actually I didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see it. Um, I haven't really started looking at that stuff yet because, and I will, but there's just, it's just, they change so much based on so many different things. And right now, I'm still looking at players. Yeah. So I don't like to be biased by, you know, mock drafts because they can mm -hmm. kind of screw you up. You mm -hmm. kind of see a guy you haven't done and you see him as a top 10 pick. Now all of a sudden you're thinking, well, this guy must be pretty good. Right. What I'm trying to do is really be as honest as I can in my evaluation of players. So try to eliminate the noise and really just watch the player, you know, look for the signals and the signs and really figure out who he is before I start looking at mock drafts and listening to all the, all the people out there that have opinions on these guys. So, um, you know, I've seen you know, a lot of players in this draft, and I'm really, really excited about it, but we still haven't done everybody, and we still haven't gone through our last set of meetings, and we still haven't listened to the coaches, and a lot of these players are still working out. So the book has not been written yet on this year's draft. Every mm -hmm. draft takes on its own personality, and, uh, and I still haven't really figured out what the personality of this draft is yet. Mm -hmm. Now, Ozzy said on Friday that he talked about last year, the goal was to kind of the, to shore up the defense, get the defense really, really good. And you accomplished that. And then the goal for you guys when you went down to Steve's uh, in the offseason, you sort of laid out the blueprint. The focus for this year was to upgrade the passing attack, you know, add pass catches to this team, remake that room. It basically sounded to me like a multi-year process. Do you guys feel like 
that has been a process. It was defense. Now it's now it's the pass catchers, and you've been in the middle of that, and you feel good about where you are in that process. Well, it's always long term and short term. So you're looking at the team like, okay, what are we going to look like this year? Where do we want to be five years from now? So you're always building. You know, it's like when you buy a house, you're never done with it. You're always trying to improve the house. You're always trying to buy more furniture. You're always trying to improve. You got to replace the roof. You got to add a furnace. You know, it never ends, <laughs> right. and that's like what building a team is. So, you know, we're looking at like last year, the year before, we allocated a lot of resources to the to the defense. We feel good about where the defense is. You know, offensively, last year we we felt like we you know we're not what we want to be. So we have to address that. But quite honestly, if we get a couple of defensive injuries this year. To then we'll be trying that, yeah. to fix the defense in training camp. Right, you know? right. So it's it's an ongoing thing. You're never really happy with your team uh, unless you won a Super Bowl, and then you want to try and get better the day after the the day after you won the Super Bowl. So <laughs> right. it's just you, you can't. It's it's not like you know maybe uh, it was in the '70s or '80s when you didn't have a salary cap and you could keep everybody. Right. You know. Um, you know. I grew up a Cowboys fan in the 90s and you know had they been able to keep everybody they'd have been they'd have been good for 10 years but right. you just you know that you just can't keep everybody with contracts and free agency and various things it's like every year kind of is a new year so you have holes you have things you want to fix you know um, you know like I think our front seven we've got a lot of really good young players but a year from now, two years from now, we may need some front seven guys. Yeah, it just right. changes almost overnight. Some years we've got, you know, you know, really good. I remember one year we we didn't have any tight ends. We had Todd and he had a couple injuries and so we drafted Ed and we drafted Dennis Pitta. We felt like we had a really good situation, but then guys start getting hurt and all of a sudden now you need tight ends. Mm -hmm. So it changes. You know, you're trying to like build something stability wise long term over a three or four or five year window. But it's really hard because it's such a physical sport. Guys get hurt, you have injuries, you know, guys retire, whatever it is, all of a sudden now you have holes and how do you fill those holes in the short term? Right, right. Cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Good luck in the future. Why do you shake my hand? Nobody can see that. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent question. I don't know how I'll send it. Yeah. It has to end with a handshake. But nobody sees it. I know, but you know, whatever. It still works. Eric, I'll shake your hand too. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Just give us. I feel like there's got to be an ending. Oh, a salute. A salute. Yeah, a salute. About? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we play some music or something. Oh, like, yeah, know, we should do that. You're the editor. Music. Yeah, we'll just carry it out with a nice <laughs> little know? tune. That's, that's good. That's good. We'll end that on the back end. I did it my way or yeah, some yeah, my way. Yeah, yeah. Sinatra. A little Sinatra to, to, to close know. us out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. Yes. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, so thanks to Eric. Uh, really good stuff from him. Uh, it was interesting to hear his perspective about just the whole the process, the, the entire process, how things have changed, um, how he is going to be in this new role, and, and the relationship that he has with Ozzy. And I just really enjoyed the conversation with Eric. Well, my favorite thing is when you ask him. So, has your strategy? Yeah, exactly. He said, and he's "Well, like, eh, I'm talking more metaphorically." <laughs> yeah. Nah, yeah, I'm not gonna answer that one. Yeah, exactly. Just like you said, nah, I'm not gonna answer that Baker Mayfield question, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's good. Uh, I give him a bow on the way out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I give him the bow. Uh, Eric's great. Love Eric. He he's a funny guy, and uh, I think he's gonna be awesome, man. I'm excited. I'm yep. excited. The Ozzie Newsome era has been a great one, and I think the Eric Tacasa era will be 
as good, if not better. All right. So as always, uh, send in your questions, your comments every single week uh, at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you next week.